turn in Holy Scripture to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll read the whole chapter. The text is verse 18. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and at the beginning he defends his ministry to them. There were some in the city that were questioning him as a true servant of the Lord. He defends himself in the first five verses, verse 6, and then speaks of the ministry of the Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit that we'll read in the last 13 verses. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle, written on our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious. For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So far do we read God's word. Verse 18 is the text. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 18, 
Paul speaks of the glorious ministry of the Holy Spirit and what that does to us. In verse 6, he first starts talking about the ministry of the Spirit and the ministry of the law. Verse 6 of 2 Corinthians 3 says, Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. So the ministry of the New Testament, the ministry of today, that's the ministry of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. That Holy Spirit has a ministry according to the text. That ministry is He imparts life. He speaks of this ministry of the Spirit, but then also the ministry of the letter we read in verse 6. The ministry of the letter is the ministry of the law, literally. It's the ministry of the Old Testament. And in verse 7, it's, it calls this ministry the ministry of death. The reason is that this ministry of the law cannot impart life. The law can't do that. And so Paul says that the ministry of the Spirit is more glorious. This ministry we have now is more glorious. The ministry of the law was glorious in some sense, and he explains that. Verse 7 says that the Israelites could not look on Moses' face. Moses was given the law at Mount Sinai. Moses had gone up to Mount Sinai, spoken to God there, God spoke to him, and when he came back down from the mountain, the Israelites saw him, but Moses had to cover his face with a heavy cloth or veil because his face was so bright. The glory of God was shining forth through him. So verse 8 explains that while the ministry of the law was glorious in a sense, had some glory, this ministry has been done away with, and the ministry of the Spirit is more glorious. Unlike Paul, who had, unlike Moses, who had to wear a veil, Paul says in verse 12 that he now, in the New Testament, can use plain speech. He can preach the gospel with plain speech to the Corinthians. And through that plain speech of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Spirit reveals God's glory to His people. But in verse 14, Paul indicates that the Jews, they did, they did not, they do not want to see God's glory. They're blinded. God's glory can be seen in Jesus Christ, but they refuse to look to Jesus Christ. They refuse to see Him as the Son of God come in the flesh. They continue reading the Old Testament and read the law, but they refuse to look to Christ as the fulfillment of that law. So really a veil is over their hearts, verse 15 says. And then verse 16 says they are to turn 
to the Lord, the Lord Jesus. In verse 18, which is the text for today, the climax of Paul's description of the ministry of the Spirit is given. For there he describes fully what that ministry of the Spirit does to us. And it is a wonderful thing. People, according to verse 18, behold, behold the glory of the Lord Jesus through the preaching of the gospel. And the Holy Spirit uses that preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ to transform God's people today. Transform them. Let's see the Spirit's marvelous ministry today, His, His transforming work. And be led to praise Him as we hear about what He does to us and in us. And, and to be comforted that He does this in us and that He will even bring us to final glory as the text shows from glory to glory. Let's consider the text under the theme, the Spirit worked transformation. The Spirit worked transformation. First, beholding the Lord's glory. Second, changing into His image. And third, anticipating final glory. First, beholding the Lord's glory. Verse 18 uses that phrase. It talks about beholding the glory of the Lord. But if we're going to do that, if we're going to behold the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord has to be revealed somewhere. The Lord Jesus was not on this earth anymore when Paul was writing 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and the Lord Jesus is not on this earth anymore today. We can see with our physical eyes. So how do we behold the glory of the Lord? Well, kids, how that happens, and adults, how that happens is through the Bible through the Bible. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 calls the Bible the word of Christ. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And that means that this word, its content is Christ. He's the content of every page. We behold or gaze on Christ's face in the Bible. So we can't see his face physically, we know that, but we see his face, really. We see what he looks like, we see who he is in the Bible. And thus we also see God in the Bible, because as 2 Corinthians 4 verse 14 says, Christ is the image of God. Christ said himself in John 14 verse 9, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. So we see God in the face of Jesus Christ in the Bible. This Bible that reveals God and Christ, this Bible is the truth. Understand what we read about Christ here is truth. This is not the word of man. If it was the word of man, then we might not have the truth here. This isn't the word of man. This is the word of God, and it's the truth then. 
It's the work of the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit, according to 2 Peter 1, verses 20 and 21, moved men to write what they did here, so that what they wrote was the Word and is the Word of God. And since the Bible is the work of the Holy Spirit, and not man's work, this Bible is the truth, and it tells us the truth about Christ. The Bible that reveals Christ is the truth, and it's clear. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light upon my path. The word can only be a light upon our path if it's clear. So Psalm 119, verse 105 shows the Bible is clear. Now there are hard passages, certainly, but we can look at those hard passages in light of more simple ones that are clear and understand what we need to know from the Scriptures. Scripture is the truth. The Scripture that reveals Christ is clear and it's complete. Everything that we need to know about God and Christ is set forth here. So what a wonder it really is that we get to see Jesus Christ in the Word, in the Bible. God is so, so far above us, yet He speaks to us in human language so that we get to see Christ, Jesus the Lord, in the Bible. Thank and praise God for that today. And in the Bible, the Lord's glory, the Lord Jesus' glory is revealed. The text uses that word glory and it means beauty or majesty. The Lord's glory is His beauty. It's the sum total of His attributes or characteristics shining forth. And that's beautiful. It's majestic. As verse 18 says, we behold the glory of Christ by looking into, or excuse me, the, here the, to understand the glory of the Lord Jesus and to see what exactly that is, what that means. Think first about the, the glory of the invisible triune God. Think of the triune God's attributes or characteristics. Think about what they really mean. We know God's eternal, for instance. God's eternal, that means He has no beginning and no end. We know that God is almighty, almighty power. That's amazing. We know that He is loving. He has infinite mercy and grace infinite wisdom and knowledge. 
the glory of God is those attributes all shining forth. And that's so majestic, so glorious that no man can see him. 1 Timothy 6 verse 16 says, Who, and that's talking about God, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. So the triune God is the invisible, glorious God. And the Lord Jesus, the Son of God come in the flesh, is the image of the infinitely glorious God. So the only way that we will ever see God this glorious God, the only way we'll ever see him is in the face of Jesus Christ, the Son come in the flesh. So Christ, he being in the image of God, he has those characteristics that God has. He has almighty power and infinite knowledge and wisdom and eternal love and mercy and grace and goodness. That's his glory. Now, his glory was somewhat hidden when he was on this earth, but he did show forth the glory of God. Think of his, his miracles and his teaching showed forth his power. And when he walked on this earth with no sin, he showed forth such holiness and righteousness. Now, the text is especially talking about his glory now, though, as the exalted Lord in heaven. He has been given all power and might over all things. He's honored even above the angels in glory. And his love and his mercy and grace shine forth from him in heavenly glory. He stands in heaven as the one who died for the sins of his people, and as the one who now bestows upon them the gifts of salvation, like regeneration and faith and justification and sanctification. He stands there now as the one who makes all things work for the good of his people. So what love, what infinite mercy and grace and goodness shine forth from the Lord Jesus as he stands in heaven ruling over all. That's him. So glorious. Especially when you compare that to who, who we are. He is so glorious. So great. And we get to behold this glory of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, We all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. We behold the glory of Christ the Lord. That we here that Paul uses, it refers to himself and the Corinthian believers to whom he's writing. Corinthian church. And so what he writes to the believers then, it applies to us believers today. We behold the glory of Christ. And how do we behold him? Well, the text says we behold him in a glass. We behold the glory of Christ by 
looking in a glass. And that word glass is the word mirror. A mirror is a surface that reflects the image of something. And the mirror of verse 18, we have to understand, is different than mirrors we have today. There's similarities, but there's differences. Mirrors today give to us almost a perfect image of something. But the mirror that's being spoken of in the text is a piece of metal that you would have to shine to get some reflection of something. So a mirror that the text is talking about wouldn't be able to show you the full glory of something. But we do behold the glory of Christ in a mirror, and the mirror that we look at to behold His glory is the Bible. That's what shows His glory, the Bible. Now there are two parts to the revelation of Christ and His glory. We need the Bible. We need the Scriptures to see Him. But we also need the Holy Spirit to work in us and reveal to us the truth through the Word. Without the Spirit, we could, we could read the words of Scripture. We could read them for a very long time, but we would have veiled faces without the Spirit. We wouldn't see the truth about His love and His mercy and His grace and His justice and all of His wonderful attributes. For instance, we would maybe read about his love in the word, but we would question that, saying, well, he didn't, he didn't die for everyone, so he doesn't really have that great of love. Or we would question his justice, saying he and God didn't choose to save every man, so really it's unfair if some are brought to hell. We would, we would question those things. But the Holy Spirit... He gives to us the ability to see the glory of the Lord in the Scriptures, to interpret them properly and see the truth, to understand spiritual things. So by the Spirit, we behold the Lord's glory. We do that even today. We behold the Lord's glory when we hear the Word properly preached. The minister shines, he's polishing that word every week in church so that it may clearly show forth the glory of the Lord. And we see the Lord's glory as we read the word at home, as we read the word in Bible study, as we hear that word taught in catechism, kids, we see the glory, the majesty of Christ. Through the word preached and taught and read, we, we see His glory and what He did for us at the cross and in rising again. And we see His glory, His beauty, and what He's doing for us now and bestowing upon us the gifts of salvation. And we see His glory as we hear about what He will do, like we did this morning. We hear about what He will do and gaining for us that complete victory at the end and bringing us into the new heavens and new earth. So we behold the Lord's glory in the Word, and it's so amazing that we get to look at this Word all the time. Think back to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament of all the Israelites, only Moses got to see the glory of God, and, and in a 
He saw it in a, a passing, fading way, quickly, very brief. We all get to see, we all get to see the Lord's glory day after day. And we get a wonderful view of it on Sunday as we can sit here and think upon that word of Jesus Christ preached to us. Praise God that we get to see the glory of the Lord. And praise God that we get to see the glory of the Lord because the Holy Spirit uses that to change us into Christ's image. To transform us into that image. As we behold the Lord's glory, we are changed into the Lord's image according to the text. It says there, we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory. That word changed here means transformed. And that word in the original language Greek comes from the word from which we get our word metamorphosis. And we use that term metamorphosis to refer to a caterpillar changing into a butterfly. Kids, you've heard of that word. A caterpillar changed into a butterfly. And when that happens, we know there's a complete restructuring of the creature. It's changed into a different form. It's, it, it's very different when that metamorphosis happens. Well, the text is saying that we go through a metamorphosis, a transformation, so that we are made to look like Christ spiritually. We are made into His image that is a transformation because we, by nature, we are born opposed to God and really have the image of the devil by nature. Psalm 51 verse 5 says that we are born in iniquity and in sin. That means by nature, that's all we want to do is sin. That's all we can do. We never want to do anything to the glory of the Lord. So it's all sin. All we are concerned really about is earthly things. Having a good time. And left to self, we would rush headlong towards hell and never turn from off that path. That is who I am and you are by nature. But God wills that His children... God wills that we be His children. And that demands a transformation. Ugly dead sinners cannot be the children of God who live with Him now and live with Him forever in heaven. God does not live with those who are living like the devil. They do not enter into heaven to live with Him. We must be transformed. We must be changed into the very image of Jesus Christ. 
And this transformation does not mean that we look like Him physically, but it means that we look like Him spiritually. His attributes are are so glorious. We talked about them. That knowledge, that wisdom, love, mercy, grace, goodness, showed that such an amazing way when he went to the cross, that goodness, love, and mercy. Well, those amazing attributes, they grow and develop in us. That's our transformation into the image of Christ. The text is saying that this transformation happens as we behold the glory of the Lord in a glass. So as we hear the word about Christ, we are transformed into the image of Christ. Verse 18 literally says, We all with open face, while beholding, while beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image. So as we behold the Lord's love here in the Bible and His mercy and His power and His wisdom and knowledge, as we behold that, we are changed and made holy, those who love the Lord and serve Him and have wisdom. That's amazing. And that amazing work can only be done and is only done by the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord performs this change. Verse 18 says, We are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we don't perform that transformation of ourselves. Understand that clearly. We don't do it ourselves. It's not as if we can hear the word about Christ and then with great willpower we decide that now we are are going to be holy and we are going to love God and love the neighbor and be merciful and gracious and be selfless. We cannot perform that change ourselves because we are dead in sin by nature. We don't even want, we don't even want to be changed ourselves. We, if left to self, would just continue in sin. We would want to go on in sin. So whom we need is the Spirit of the Lord, and He does this amazing work. The Spirit who's talked about here is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, He is called the Spirit of the Lord because the Spirit was given to the Lord Jesus when He ascended into heaven after He died and arose from the grave. He ascended into heaven and God gave Him the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 verse 33. And the Lord now sends the Holy Spirit to those for whom He died. The elect. The Lord now sends the Holy Spirit to do that transforming work in us. And it's all based on Christ's cross work. If Jesus had not died at the cross, 
and taken our sins away, we would be guilty sinners before the holy God. And we would have no right to be transformed. We would have to remain dead in sin. The guilty sinner dies and must. However, because of the cross, because Jesus paid for the sins of us, his people there, he has the right to send his spirit to us and do transforming work in our lives. Amazing. And that's what he does too. The almighty spirit of the Lord, one who's God, he transforms us by regenerating us, by giving us faith, sanctifying us, and preserving us through the word. First, though the Holy Spirit, He changes us dead sinners by regenerating us. And that refers to that first implanting of spiritual life in us. That's regeneration. That implanting of spiritual life in us. By nature we're dead. The Spirit implants life in us, bringing us into a completely new form. At that very moment, when we are regenerated, we're made able to believe, able to serve the Lord and love Him and live holily unto Him. And that change is so radical that we are called new creatures in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. So the Spirit regenerates us and He continues to transform us by giving to us faith through the Word. We behold, remember, we behold Christ's glory in the Word. We see His love and grace and going to the cross for His people. And the Holy Spirit uses that Word to give to us faith, to give to us a true knowledge of Jesus Christ, and to believe in Him for all our salvation. The Holy Spirit continues that transforming work by sanctifying us through the word. That he sanctifies us means that he makes us to live holy lives. That is lives of devotion to God. Loving him. Loving the neighbor to God's glory. What he does is when he sanctifies is he works in us to live holy lives. And actually works in us to live more and more unto Him and His glory, so that we're more and more conformed to the image of Christ in our lives. That sanctification more and more conforms us to the image of Christ. The Spirit brings us to look more and more like Christ and have holiness as we gaze upon Him in the Word. Again, it talks about being transformed as we look in this mirror, the mirror of the Word, and see Christ. Verse 18 teaches that, and, and how this happens is, as we behold the Lord's holiness and His love and His mercy and grace towards me, 
I am strengthened to live a life of obedience unto Him in thankfulness. To live in love towards my neighbor in mercy. And to be kind to my neighbor to God's glory. Through the word that points to Christ and His great love, I am transformed and brought to love. Through the word, the Spirit exhorts us to be imitators of God in thankfulness. And He works in us and transforms us so that we do imitate Him. We see Christ's selflessness as we look at the word and what he did in going to the cross, and we're transformed and moved more and more to live, not selfishly, but seeking the good of others to the glory of our God's name. That's this text. And he continues to sanctify, he continues to preserve through the word. We, we all fall into sin every day, and, and when we fall into sin, we're pointed again to Christ through the word. We see His love. We see His mercy and grace. We look for all our salvation in Him. We seek to turn and serve Him in gratitude. Now this fact that we are transformed, as the text says, as we look in the glass, as we look in the Word, the fact that we're transformed as we look into the Word shows us what our calling is too. Look in the Word regularly. This text reminds us how important it is to be facing the mirror, facing the Word every day. It reminds us how important it is to be in church and see Christ's face as we hear the Word proclaimed. So come here regularly. There, there can be many reasons not to come that you can think of, many temptations not to come. But remember that coming to church and hearing about the glory of Jesus Christ is how we are transformed. It's how we're brought to live more and more to the glory of the God who has done so much for us, who has saved us. So come here to hear the word regularly. And if you don't, don't expect change. Don't expect transformation. Come to ready to face the mirror. God's word does not change us in the way of us simply just being here. It takes place in the way of us truly beholding Christ's glory from the word. And paying attention to what we're hearing. When our hearts and minds are engaged on the word of Jesus Christ, Sunday to Sunday, we are dazzled by who he is. We, we say, I've never, each Sunday we will say, I've never seen something so beautiful in my life, so majestic as the Christ. He's so loving, so merciful, so powerful. And we're changed in that way. So pray throughout the week and pray on Sunday that the Spirit would strengthen you to pay attention to that Word and pay attention to what's being brought to you, the Word of Jesus Christ, and behold His face. 
And the same thing applies to our daily reading of the Word. Be, be in the Word at home. Be going to Bible study. Kids, be going to catechism to behold the face of Jesus Christ through His Word. And be engaged when you're doing those things. So in catechism, we're not doodling, kids, and not, well, sometimes you can pay attention even while you doodle, I know that, but be paying attention, ready to learn and work, ready to listen to who Christ is, for the Holy Spirit uses that word to transform and to bring us to love our God Love Christ more and more. That brings us to the last point, which is our anticipation of perfect glory. Anticipation of perfect glory. The, the end of the long process of transformation is that we are brought to perfect glory in heaven. Verse 18 says, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory. So we do actually have glory now as those who reflect the image of Jesus Christ. By nature, we have no spiritual beauty, but the Spirit has gloriously transformed us so that we do now have spiritual beauty. We do have wisdom. We do have knowledge and holiness, love. We have glory now. But we are not what we will be one day. In this life on earth, we will never be free from our sinful nature that we have within us. That's why Paul says in Romans 7, verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? So the old man of sin that we have in us, it, it corrupts everything we do. We know that. We are being transformed. We, for instance, see our sins more and more and grow to hate them more and more in this life. We do mature spiritually. Thank God for that, and that transforming work. Yet we're never perfect in a life of holiness or love, and we really only have a small beginning. Greater glory will be ours in heaven, according to verse 18. Verse 18 says, We are changed into the same image, that's the image of Christ, changed into the same image from glory to glory. That phrase, from glory to glory, it indicates a movement from one degree to another. The idea is from a lesser degree to a greater degree. The idea is that we reflect the glorious image of Jesus Christ in this life, and we do so even more and more. But we will fully reflect Him in heavenly glory. We will fully reflect Him in heaven. When we die, 
we will finally and fully be cleansed in our souls. Our sinful nature will be abolished. This will be a metamorphosis of the soul. We will fully reflect the image of the Lord Jesus in our souls so that we are living perfectly holy lives, perfect lives of love to God and love for the neighbor around us and heavenly glory. What a day that will be for us. At the return of Christ, our bodies too will be transformed into the image of Christ fully and completely. Philippians chapter 3 verse 21 says that our vile bodies will be fashioned like unto Christ's glorious body at Christ's return. So our bodies will be in the image of Christ's body. Think about what that means. That means never sinning. That means not suffering that any of the effects of sin either. No aging, no sickness, no pains. That is amazing. We will then have a perfected body and soul fully showing forth the image of Christ. We will be beautiful spiritually. And how will that take place? Well, according to Scripture, that will actually happen in the same way. That transformation will happen in the same way that it happens now. As we behold Jesus Christ. 1 John 3 verse 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. So in heaven, we will behold Christ face to face with nothing impeding our vision. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Perfect. In heaven, we will behold him face to face and we'll see all of his majesty, all of his splendor and beauty. And as we behold him, we will be like him. The idea of 1 John 3 verse 2 is that as we set our eyes on our selfless Savior, we will be delivered from all selfishness, all pride. And as we behold and gaze upon our holy and perfectly pure Savior, we will be delivered from all impurity. We will perfectly reflect His glorious attributes forever and ever. And that's something we anticipate. That's something we anticipate. That means it's something we look forward to and are, are confident that it will happen. That's Part of Paul's point here in First, Second Corinthians chapter 3, it, his point is that we believers should be looking forward to perfection in heaven and confident of it. You see, Second Corinthians chapter 3, he's talking about that ministry of the Spirit, that glorious work of the poured out Spirit of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. He talks about that ministry of the Spirit and then he gets to this last verse of the chapter. And that's, this is the climax. He says, you're being changed. You believers are being changed from glory to glory. You are being changed now 
And the perfection of heaven awaits where you will never sin and thus never suffer, but live with the Savior, seeing him forever. That's the climax of the text. He's saying, anticipate this church. And that's what we are told to this afternoon. Anticipate this and and be confident that this is what is coming for you, this perfect glory. Paul ends with the phrase, this will happen even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The fact that the Spirit of the Lord does this work gives to us full confidence today that we will have perfect glory. This is the Lord's work. That name, Lord, it's referring to the one who went to the cross, paid for all our guilt. That guilt cannot keep us from perfect glory. Christ paid for it. The Lord did it. And He's the Lord who rules all things, so He'll certainly bring us to that perfect glory. He's able and willing to do it. And we can be sure of this perfect glorification because this is the work of the Spirit. He's Almighty. He's the the Spirit, the one who's very God. He will accomplish all that Christ sends Him to do. So we will be transformed throughout this life. We will be perfect in heavenly glory. If you think upon that this week, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord and have great comfort. What a God we have. Amen. Our Father which art in heaven, we are amazed at thy goodness to us and thy mercy that thou dost transform us from glory to glory as we behold the face of Jesus Christ. Lord, continue that transforming work in our lives. May we give thee glory more and more. Thou art worthy. Forgive our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.